The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad that you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. Today, uh, together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Can I Get a Mulligan? Did you ever feel like life would be so much better if you could just have a do-over? Well, you can do just that. In fact, you can start over anytime you decide. Our higher power gives us the ability to leave behind that which no longer serves us and move ahead with a clean slate. And today we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on energizing your life with a fresh start. We want to share with you what things were like before, what happened, and what they are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope that you will find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So, Dan, we're talking about clean slate and starting over, having a fresh start. Tell us what that's been like for you, what some examples of that are for you. Well, I think it's uh, appropriate and wonderful here in the beginning of the year, and of course it's no accident, that we're talking really about step one, right? That's where we're at, a new, a whole new beginning. And so if I think back um, in my life to where step one, where I was introduced to step one and uh, first kind of got on to this uh, recovery journey, you know, what comes to mind first is how unmanageable my life was. And what comes to mind first for that is that I got to that point where, you know, the one de- one definition of addiction is we've lost the power to choose. And I got to a point where I quite literally could not not drink. I could not stop. That had never happened to me before in all the years and even decades, you know, of my um, drinking career. And so that was quite frightening. And um, 
looking back on it with hindsight, it was an opportunity for a new beginning, right? For a starting over. It was almost like, you know, I would love to tell a beautiful story about how I chose blah, blah, blah. I didn't, I didn't feel like I chose anything. Yeah. You know, I felt like I fell into a pile of mud and, <sighs> and uh, other nasty. And then, uh, you know, my, my job was to get out. It, it yeah. was not a uh, rainbows and unicorns kind of experience for me. But, you know, I, I've noticed that the most powerful shifts, the most powerful spiritual changes, if you will, that I've experienced in my life uh, aren't usually rainbows and unicorns. I mean, that can be part of the the spiritual path that we walk and the recovery path that we walk. But man, you know, when, when I couldn't stop drinking, the, the door opened for a whole new way of being, yeah. you know, a, 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 a grand do over, you right. know, in, in a way. And um, I was absolutely ready to walk through it. Um, and I did. Yeah. Yes. Well, I love this, um, this topic that we're having uh, this week about beginning again and starting over and so timely, of course, with it being the first show of the year. And uh, we were just talking before the show about how both of us did white stone ceremonies in our respective churches this past Sunday. And so probably a lot of folks in unity out there participated in some such service. And I love um, how the new, you know, we're going to be talking about today, how we can really begin at any time. We don't need um, we don't need it to be the first of the year or whatever, but but when we have these sort of man-made um, markers, they they give it a little more umph, you know, it's like, okay, it's a fresh year, and it just gives us that, it puts a little strength behind it that, you know, we feel more motivated to begin again to... Um, you know, to change some habit or some thought process or some behavior or something that is troubling us and having that new year experience can be so helpful. So I think this is so powerful. I remember when someone um, in the 12-step program told me, I don't even remember what it was regarding, but they just said to me, well, you know, you can start over anytime. And I was like, what? Like, you can <laughs> do that? So. Unlike college, say. Yeah, exactly. To me. Uh, the idea that you can start over is a very deeply spiritual concept that I had never heard of or had any idea about before somebody said it to me. I just, it really, it was like, really, you can do that. You can, you don't have to drag along everything you've ever done and feel guilty and feel remorseful and feel, you know, this idea that you could let things go. This was totally new to me, totally new to me. No one had ever taught me that. Um, and so I just remember going like, wow, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I, I can let go of things. I don't have to carry these things around. I don't have to um, keep beating myself up for a mistake that I made. Um, it kind of went hand in hand with the idea that it was okay to make mistakes. That was a new one for me too. <laughs> you know, that yeah. not only was a mistake okay, but mistakes were actually good because it meant you were trying something out and you know you made a mistake okay so what let it go begin again that was just I can't I can't um explain how like revolutionary of a concept that was for me it's just not something that I had learned as a child so obviously the first big one for me was getting clean and sober you know that was that was a big beginning again um I didn't have that same experience as 
as you of um, not being able to stop or, you know, but I did have the experience that um, my life was going in a certain direction and I, I felt very locked in to certain types of behaviors. I was very ambitious and driven, um, very workaholic. I felt like I had to pursue all of these achievement oriented things um, in my life. That was basically the, the whole thrust of my life was, you know, achieve, achieve, achieve. And, um, and I had no spirituality, no higher power, no uh, spiritual practice, no relationship with any kind of higher power. I was using alcohol to manage um, depression and anxiety and to um, manage feelings, to numb feelings, to escape, to not want to feel the things that I was feeling. And so coming into recovery was like a total reboot for me total reboot. It's like you're going down one path and then blammo, you're not going down that path anymore. You're on a totally different path. You know, I mean, that's how huge it was for me. It was, I mean, maybe my, my life itself didn't, you know, show as many changes. I was in graduate school. I, I continued that. I, you know, started working in my career and et cetera. But for me internally, it was just a huge do-over. It was just like, okay, that's not the way we're going. We're going to stop and we're going to go in a totally different direction. And the whole focus of my life completely changed. And of course, now looking back in retrospect, you know, I can really see, thank God, thank God that happened when it did. And I didn't have to spend another 20 years going off in the wrong direction. And, um, I'm just so grateful, you know, but it was just, it was a huge, huge do-over for me. And I'm just so grateful for that. You know, you mentioned the white stone and we were talking a little bit before the show about the white stone and, and I, you know, we do this once a year and I think in between, I kind of forget how awesome it is because I really like the white stone um, ceremony and service that we do at church. And I wanted to share um, the Bible verse from Revelation chapter 2 that kind of mm -hmm. is the uh, seed idea of the white stone service. Um, because, well, let me just read it and then, and yeah. then we'll see. So uh, I read, to everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give a white stone. And on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Yep. And I'm telling you, if that does not describe an addiction recovery experience, it's just uncanny. It's mm -hmm. give me goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, and I'm thinking about step one and starting over and all of that, man, if I ever needed a new name, if you will, then that was the time. And, you know, in, yeah. in the Bible, when a name changes, that's indicating sort of a change of a deep essence yes. of somebody. It's not a superficial thing. It's not just a, um, put in there, you know, by the writers as a, as a, a nice little detail. It is a right. meaningful um, piece of any narrative. So to receive a white stone, and I, and I love how it says to everyone who conquers Right, who overcomes yes. might be a good word there too, because I certainly overcame slowly over time um, my alcohol addiction, 
and you know given some of the hidden manna right that manna mm -hmm. is the nourishment that just falls out of the sky yep. you don't have to do anything yep. I, I just love that um so much and i'm glad that we had a chance to do it um, again this year as we always do and i don't think that i've ever uh, thought about it specifically in a recovery context quite as much until right now mm -hmm. in this moment so i'm glad that you brought it up uh, one thing when i think about getting started you know new beginning step one for me is that coming into that i mean i wouldn't have said this at the time but looking back i I think I had no real sense of purpose, you know, not in like a cosmic kind of way. I, mm -hmm. I had stuff I wanted to do, you know, go to work and make more money and stuff like that. But I didn't have a real sense of purpose as related to humanity. Like, where did I fit in to the rest of humanity? What was my role, if you will, yeah. uh, in the world and, the, and an, another upside of addiction recovery is that I came out of it with a sense of, um, oh, I, I think the best phrase might be that concept of a servant leader, right? There's the, the idea that uh, I show up to be of assistance to others somehow or other, not because I'm the boss, not because I'm telling everyone what to do, but I'm showing up just like others showed up for me yeah. when I walked into the uh, rooms of of recovery. So having that, I mean, even if it was just that, having that as a kind of um, glimmer of light, if you will, uh, hope or um, some kind of guiding principle or guiding purpose is to, oh, it's to be present for others and mm -hmm. to be a witness of their experience. That That's it. It's such a powerful thing, but it seems so simple. Anyway, so starting over, new beginnings, you know, thinking about unmanageability, those are the kinds of things that come to mind. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the white stone because as I was telling you before the show, it was my first time doing a white stone ceremony. And so I had to do some, you know, I had to do some reading and some research on it um, to get sort of the background of it. And um, I love, I love the... Uh, I love all of it. Every piece of that, that verse, it's, it's a short verse, but it's got so much, like you talked about the overcoming. So, so it's sort of, it's sort of a template for a process of beginning again. Okay. So yeah. the first part is when you're going through some hardship and we all do this, right. And we all went through, this is what I said in my sermon last week. We all just collectively went through the hardship that was 2020, right. And I mean, it was, it was, there were individual hardships. Some of us lost, you know, family members or friends, lost jobs, um, had, you know, real tragic losses. Um, some didn't, but, you know, we collectively lost our previous way of life. Everything that, you know, we took for granted and being able to be together and be out in public and, you know, hug one another, all of those things, you know, it was a huge loss, a huge collective loss for all of us. But we came through it, right? We're here. So we, we overcame the hardship. And um, the way that I was reading about the stuff for the white stone is that um, it was kind of a parallel with uh, 
you know, well, it happens over and over in the Bible, but like the Jews wandering in the wilderness, for example, you know, they had to overcome this hardship. And then having overcome the hardship, they rededicated themselves to God. Yes. And so that's the opportunity that we collectively have right now. It's like, okay, we went through this 2020, you know, it was very challenging, continues to be challenging, but assuming that we're looking at this sort of artificial, you know, marker of time that is the new year, um, we've come through that time. And so now there's a time of rededicating ourselves to, to God, to spirit, to what our spiritual purpose is. And I too love the um, metaphor of the manna, you know, that the manna is this stuff that just rains down from heaven and we don't have to do anything to earn it we don't have to uh you know we just basically hold out our hands to receive it right and and isn't that so much like god's grace and god's love and yeah and the and the opportunity that god gives us to start again we don't have to earn it you know to me that's so important because i'm somebody that feels like i have to earn everything you know, so this idea that I don't have to do anything to earn this sustenance that is always pouring down from God, all I have to do is reach out and open myself up to receive it. And that then is when we are ready to receive the new name, the new purpose, the new, uh, we talked about a name representing a quality. So, you know, whatever quality it is that we're being called to step into in this new year, um, it's that chance to rededicate ourselves and hear what, what am I being called to, assuming that we are always being called higher and higher, right? And a new year is a wonderful opportunity to take some time, whether we've attended a white stone ceremony ourselves or just want to do some sort of ritual at home, you know, taking that time to, uh, in, in the silence, in the, in the quiet of prayer and meditation to hear what is spirit calling us to in this new year. Yes, I do uh, like, I love that aspect of it. And especially that, you know, so if, we, if we're talking about getting into addiction recovery, that was like a huge new beginning. But there are lots yes. of small ones, too. Yes. And like you were saying, we can begin again at any time. Mm -hmm. um, unlike, you know, my college career or whatever it might be, we, we can actually begin our spiritual growth journey anew every time. And in a way we're kind of supposed to, or at least that's my yeah. understanding of it is that it's almost as if every moment is a new beginning because it's the, it's the only time this moment exists right yeah. here and right now. But when I think about um, step one and new beginnings and all that, I'm reminded that, and, and maybe this is related to this uh, quality that many of us have coming into recovery, grandiosity, right? Everything needs to be like big and important. <laughs> and I'm saying that because I, I learned over time that when we're talking about this kind of shift, you can begin small, mm -hmm. right? That old phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day comes yeah. to mind. You don't have to do everything at once. It doesn't have to be some kind of grand uh, chorus of angels parting of the clouds or, or whatever it might be. It can be one tiny little um, difference at a time, and these things add up over time. Yeah. And I, I also noticed, because you talked about a little bit ago about mistakes. You know, if I make a mistake, then then I can uh, have a new beginning because yeah. I can always begin again. And I was 
sitting here thinking, you know, I can't really, it's not even really possible for me to have a new beginning if I hadn't done something that I might call a mistake. Right. Right. And, and what I've learned to do is look at everything from the small to the big. So the small, I don't know what, just some mundane aspect of everyday life. Like, oh, I could have, I'm trying to turn right at a red light and I could have gone, but I didn't because I thought that car was, you know, <laughs> that like nothing little mistake all the way to, oh, look, I've, I've drank myself into the hospital. <laughs> Oops. That was, uh, you know, maybe a mistake. I don't know. Did, did, I, did I not mean to do that? doesn't seem good. It's got to be some kind of not right. good thing, but and everything in between. But there is the possibility of a new beginning at every level. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's a tiny little thing or a medium thing or a big thing. Yeah. That is, you know, we, when we talk about the grace of God, that concept of grace means exactly this. You can begin again at any time. Yeah. You just take a breath, set your intention and uh, move forward on a new footing and it works. And that's yeah. what step one is about. It's a, it's yeah. a huge, it's a, I don't know anyone that's come into recovery and had it be anything but like a major piece of their life. You don't like casually come into recovery. It's like, Oh, I was going to get a hamburger. I think I'll stop here and get sober. You know, right. it, you don't just do that. It's big. So anything from uh, that big example down to the smallest one, we can begin again. And I'm very grateful for that. And yes. to know that Rome wasn't built in a day and that, yes, if I walk 10 miles into the woods, I need to walk 10 miles out. And yes, one day at a time, keep it simple. You know, all of those things are telling yes. me uh, yes. this can be done. Slow down. Doesn't have to be grand. You know, you don't have to do this better than anyone's done it before. And all that kind of Oh, it's that addictive that. grandiosity that so many of us <laughs> in recovery have. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, it occurred to me when we were talking about making mistakes, you know, another way of looking at that is that there really are no mistakes to be made, you know, um, that can be hard to grasp when it comes to certain things that have occurred, you know, it's hard to not see them as having been mistakes, but um, the whole idea of this beginning again is that, you know, that, like I said, there's a, there's a sort of a template to the process where the hardship is what got us to the change, right? And yeah. so when we're talking about the first step today and the unmanageability of our lives, um, had my life not become unmanageable, I would not have gotten into recovery. So was it a mistake? Well, sure, some of the things that happened were not ideal and, you know, but um, looking back, of course, with many years of retrospect, you know, that's what it took to get me on this path. And actually, I don't know if this holds true for you or others, but it seems to be sort of a recurring theme in my life that things have to get pretty bad for me, pretty darn unmanageable before I have a big shift, you know? Um, and yes, there are starting overs of all sizes and shapes, but um, typically for the really big shifts in my life, I got to go through the hardship. I have to spend those darn 40 years wandering in the desert. <laughs> right. You know, I really do because that's what it takes for me to be willing to make the shift necessary to really begin again and get onto a different, a different type of path. And so in that way of looking at it, there are no mistakes because, you know, it's, it's all part of our, um, of our journey. 
and we don't understand it at the time. And sometimes, thank God, we don't understand it at the time, you know, because it's not our job to understand everything that's happening at the time. We just do what's indicated. And often I've found that later on uh, things become clear why they happened in the way that they did, you know. Yeah. I still so, don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going on right now, really. <laughs> but yes, again, this concept that you could um, that you could stop what you were doing and make a change and begin again on a different path. That was a really big concept to me. I, I come from a very methodical family. You know, my my dad became a lawyer at like, what age do you become a lawyer at? Like 25 and proceeded to practice law for the next 50 years or something. I mean, we don't do a lot of change. You know, my mother still lives in the house I grew up in. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we don't do a lot, a lot of change in, in my family. And so I, um, I, I had, before I learned this concept of changing and beginning again, I had felt very locked into things. You know, I started out in the career that I did as an ESL teacher for various reasons. One thing led to another, and that's where I ended up. Um, it wasn't like my great calling. I did enjoy a certain amount of it, and I enjoyed it for a certain time, but um, it wasn't even a real concept to me that I I felt locked into that, okay, is what I'm trying to say. I felt locked in. This is what I had gone to graduate school for. I was still making payments on my student loan. I felt like I had to do that job. And who knows how long I would have stayed in a job that wasn't really what I wanted to do if it hadn't been for my son coming along. Um, and that was another huge change in doing over for me because I just left my career. And... Uh, of course, my purpose was, you know, to be available to my son who has a disability and really needed my, um, you know, 24-7 presence. But I, I remember feeling very freed up that I had sort of unlocked myself from what felt like was going to be lockstep. Like, I mean, I was on a, I was in a uh, community college position in a tenure track job. So it was literally like three years to tenure and I was maybe in the second year, another year, two years, and I would have had tenure, which is the ultimate locked in, right? <laughs> right. You know, and I could literally look at the salary scale and see how each year I'm going to be earning this and then this and then this, and then I'm going to, you know, have the golden handshake. I mean, I could have, my whole life could have been completely planned out. And thank God that things changed in a way that I was able to unlock myself from that and realize that I could begin again. And, you know, the rest is a long story of various career changes that led me ultimately to ministry. But it was it just wasn't even a concept for me that you could change your mind and do things differently and start over and make these big changes in your life. It wasn't, it had to be these exterior things that happened to me that sort of forced those things to happen. So it's a wonderful concept if we can get it that there's nothing that we have to continue doing forever. You know, if we don't like what we're doing or we don't like the direction our life is going, we can make a change and we can begin again. I don't know if that's obvious to other people, but it was not obvious. Well, to I'm me. sitting here thinking maybe that's an aspect of addiction because I'm yeah. right there with you. But let's hang on to that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We hope that you'll stay with us.
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. Indeed, we are glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the show from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So today we're discussing starting over and we're sort of using the backdrop of the first step of the 12 steps and we hope that something that we're sharing will be helpful to you on your own recovery journey. And so when I think about this uh, starting over, actually let me backtrack for a second. When I think about the first step, so let's just, we were talking about in the break, let's just say what the first step is. So we admitted we were powerless over X, whatever, insert addictive substance or behavior yes, here, right. <laughs> and that our lives had become unmanageable. And so we were talking about, you know, that there are spiritual concepts that underlie each of the 12 steps, very powerful spiritual concepts, a number of them in each one. And, you know, powerlessness is a concept. I'm not going to go there. You can if you want. That's one that's a little challenging for me, so I'm not going to go on that one. But um, the other concept underlying this that we can begin again, of course. And then there's also um, honesty is in there. So I wanted to talk just about a, a little bit about the process of, you know, this admitting we were powerless um, and, and that decision to want, you know, assuming that the first step involved going to some sort of a meeting or at least cracking a recovery book or something. There was something, there was an impetus that, you know, there's something that we were seeking out. Um, and so the other concept that I believe underlies this first step is surrender. Right. And as I was talking about in the last segment, there's that unmanageability. And for me, for me to surrender for this alcoholic control person, (laughs) for me to surrender anything, I've got to get extremely uncomfortable. I usually have to have tried things my way, various different ways and had them fail miserably before I'm willing to surrender whatever it is. And so um, that's sort of the process, you know, of that admitting that things have become unmanageable, admitting that I'm powerless, that I, in and of my human ego, small S self, Michelle, cannot solve this problem. And therefore, I am in need of a higher power, which is the second step that we'll be talking about next week. Um, But the surrender piece is really key. Now, if there are folks out there who surrender at the drop of a hat, God bless y'all, (laughs) because I don't. Me either. You know, and it takes a lot for me to surrender. So uh, we've talked about a number of different ways that this has shown up in our lives. And one of another way for me was as it regards relationships. And I've shared many times on this program that that was a huge part of my uh, addictive behavior was the alcohol was certainly there, but there was also a lot of um, dysfunctional and addictive relationship behavior that went hand in hand with the alcohol. And that was the stuff that I really had to spend years working on. Um, Come to find out that 
removing the alcohol only solved a very small piece of the puzzle, and there was still a whole lot there. Did it just help you see it clearer? Uh, yes, which in <laughs> fact, in a lot of ways, was somewhat worse. Um, <laughs> right. It was like, oh, great. Now I'm going through all this stuff sober. Good times. But um, that stuff really required a lot of surrender on my part. And I had to go through it over and over again, you know, um, you know, being in relationship or interpersonal situations that were just really unhealthy and chaotic and dysfunctional, but being very attached to the relationship and having to get to the point of unmanageability and absolute misery that I was finally willing to surrender I can remember calling up my sponsor one time just in the depths of this horrific relationship I was in and just telling her, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. And I never got to that point with alcohol, but this other stuff took me there and um, just, I will do whatever it takes, you know? And um, I really worked my steps predominantly around those types of issues. Those were really the, the main things for me. And so it was a process. We're talking about beginning again. It was that, okay, I got to I got to surrender. I'm on my knees. I got to let this thing go. And I got to start over again. And I've been there many times, <laughs> many, many times, you know, um, but that ability to start over. Okay. Okay, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to read, as we talked about the process, I'm going to rededicate myself to God. I'm going to um, hold out my hands to receive that manna, that sustenance, while I learn how to do this a different way and, um, and receive that white stone, that clean slate, begin again and again and again, you know, and I, I've been through that process many, many times. I think whatever gets us there. Yeah. You know, it might be one thing for one and another for another or a combination of things. And I'm sitting here thinking about unmanageability still and how unmanageability, you know, what we talk sometimes about spiritual alchemy, right? You turn base metal into gold, spiritual alchemy, you turn these crap situations, character um, mm-hmm. um, you know, aspects of our character, things we've done or haven't done, turn all of that into an asset instead of like an embarrassing something or other. So that unmanageability, I was taught, brings us to what was called the gift of desperation, yes. which is kind of like what you're you're saying. I mean, and I'm with you. I, I don't know anyone I certainly haven't, and I don't know anyone that didn't give up anything uh, like this that didn't have claw marks in it, right? We do tend to hold on. (laughs) There's a reason that it was our go-to substance or behavior, um, and we keep going to it, right? But if if our lives become unmanageable enough, as mine did, um, then I am given what I've come to understand is the gift of desperation. And the reason it's a gift is because it sort of kicks open the door, if you will, to yeah. this whole way of being that I call living from spiritual principle, which is such a radically different way of showing up in the world than how I had ever done before. I'm not sure I could articulate it. I, I feel like I've been doing this for so long. I'm not sure exactly what I was or wasn't 
doing before, but I know it was a fundamental change in the way that I looked at things. So it was a new beginning. It wasn't even like a new beginning, meaning going back to something like, oh, I used to do it in this way that was good, but then now I'm doing it. I'm going to go back to the way it was before. There was no way it was before that I was going back to. This was brand new period, you know, and I was in my forties at that time, you know, starting over. Somebody said to me once, yeah, it's, it's hard growing up in your forties. It kind of is, you know, I didn't realize I was going to be going back to step one, square one, you know, uh, a new beginning and all of that. That was not part of my plan. But the unmanageability that is, um, you know, we're talking about in, in step one brings us, if we're willing, you know, it doesn't just happen. We have to be willing. We have yeah. to show up for it. It brings us the gift of desperation, which um, allows us to learn to show up in the world in, in such a, a better way than before and was it a mistake like like you were saying yeah i don't know whatever who cares you know i I can't even really look at it that way anymore that idea that there are no mistakes there is a level at which you know in the spiritual realm there's a level at which that absolutely makes sense because every so-called mistake is a learning opportunity and if I then learn something valuable from it, then how is that a mistake? It seems like this is a good thing that it's gotten me to this point. Might be bumpy and ugly and difficult, but uh, here I am. Absolutely. I can absolutely agree with that. The reason I hedge a little bit on saying there are no mistakes is because, you know, people have experienced horrific things in life and I don't want to ever come across as sounding like, well, that was meant to happen or that was part of your spiritual growth. Like if you've lost someone or God forbid lost a child or had a horrific illness or something, you know, I mean, it still may be true. Like you said, on a spiritual level, it may be true that that was all part of the person's growth, but certainly um, on this human level, it's not, I don't think, very helpful to come at it from that And approach. it is, I have to jump in, it is personal because it is not for me to decide for anybody right. else. That yeah. When I say no mistakes, that's me looking yeah. in the mirror. I've yeah. make, I'm making a choice, but I completely agree with you. It's yeah. a, that is a terrible thing if I'm going to start passing judgment on right. someone else's life circumstances. That is not mine to do. Or I'm trying glad- to tell them that this horrific thing that happened to them was for their good or something. That's, oh, we no, don't go there. No. We call that metaphysical I, malpractice. Yeah, I'm making my skin crawl. just. Yeah, here. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, there are certainly things I've gone through in my life that if I could go back and have, you know, not had to go through that, heck yeah, I would. But do I also know that now they all led me to where I am now? Yes. But, you know, that's that's retrospective. That's not something that I could really appreciate when I was in the moment, right? I love that you talked about that gift of desperation. And, you know, that's what I was talking about, that having to get miserable enough and unmanageable enough to get to that place of surrender. And those moments of surrender have been, you know, leading up to them was extremely, extremely painful. But that surrender, and I've been on my actual knees, you know, multiple times in life, um, that place of being literally or figuratively on your knees is a place of grace 
It's a place of huge grace because once we surrender, that's when God's grace has room to work and can come in and work. And you talked about being willing, you know, for me, in certain areas of my life, I have to get to that place of surrender in order to be willing. You know, if I'm still sort of getting mileage out of something, I'm not surrendering it. <laughs> That's you know right. what I mean? Still working, yeah. Yeah, even if it may look to everyone else like it's not working very well, um, I, you know, it takes quite a lot for me to be willing to surrender it. But the moment of surrender is the moment of grace when we become willing to do things in another way, when I become willing to do things in a different way. And sometimes when I am, frankly, completely out of all good ideas, you know, or really right. all ideas at all. Even the that, bad ones. Yeah. What I've learned in recovery is that that is a place of grace and that is a place of um, it's a huge it's a very spiritual place to be, frankly, all out of human ideas. Yeah. You know, I've tried everything that my ego self knows to do and none of it has worked. And so now I'm willing to seek a higher way to seek God's guidance to, you know, and those have been the moments of huge do overs, huge start overs, huge, huge shifts in my life um, where things really were able to be changed and transformed at depth. It came from those moments of surrender. So, You know, there's so many ways that this beginning again works in our lives and just like kind of a practical way when I'm trying to change, you know, we talk a lot in unity about change your thoughts, change your life and, you know, that we have the, we have choice, we're co-creating our lives with God, we have the choice to um, change our behavior and do things differently. Um, When I'm trying to really change some of those really deeply rooted behaviors, those things that are real deep down in the subconscious, those, um, what do you call those, like kind of core error beliefs. thoughts? Core they're, beliefs, but I'm yeah, talking about the beliefs. bad ones, right? The ones like, right. I'm not good enough, like, you know, uh, I don't matter, I'm not lovable, those ones. Right. When I'm really working on those ones, you know, I have to really keep messing up and keep starting over, just over and over and over, you know? Um, And so I'm so grateful for that process that it doesn't matter how many times I mess up and revert to an old behavior. Now, this could also relate to if a person is trying to quit smoking or, you know, whatever a person is trying to do or change in their life. Um, You know, the thing is, is like if we just say, well, I messed up, so now forget it. I'm just going to scrap the whole thing, you know, that's not going to get us anywhere. But if we say, okay, I messed up let it go. I'm going to start over. I can start over now. I don't have to wait for New Year's or the the first day of the month or whatever it is we think we're waiting for. You know, that moment is now. And that's God's grace. That's the grace that the universe gives us is that we can make that choice in any moment. And your whole life can turn on a dime. Your whole life can shift so quickly. And if it gets messed up again, we just can let go you know, have that moment of surrender and start over again and again and again. And my life did turn on oh, a dime, yeah. seemingly. I mean, maybe, okay, it was over um, a couple of months, maybe over a six-week period. But that's, you know, in in terms of, of a life, that's a pretty quick shift. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to talk about powerlessness. Um, you know, it... it it's an important part of step one. Again, step one, we admitted we were powerless over 
fill in the blank, in my case, alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And that seems like power, the concept there of powerlessness seems like it might somehow contradict um, some beliefs that we carry in unity, but I know that it does not. Mm-hmm. Because our the power that we reclaim in unity, I have the power to choose, yeah. is in the realm of consciousness. Yeah, That's different than I, like, in the case of alcohol, physically have lost the power of choice. Yeah. That's one definition of addiction that I find very helpful. I've lost the power of choice. And so somebody who is not an alcoholic might think, well, all you've got to do is set your mind to it, you know, shift your thoughts and and that'll shift your mind. And, and <laughs> they might think that that means that I can recover my ability to choose just by, you know, putting my mind to it, so to speak, mm-hmm. which uh, those of us who are alcoholics know how laughably ridiculous that is. Now, bless their hearts. They don't know that. <laughs> they haven't been where we've been. Or as I like to say, you know, when given the advice, why don't you just stop it too? That's so cute that you think that. You're adorable. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, but the the fact of the matter is just because I'm powerless over alcohol does not mean I am powerless in the universe. I'm not. I I do co-create my life with God. I do make new choices. I do reclaim my power. Now, I can't directly go from, you know, day one to, uh, you know, knocking my head against powerlessness over alcohol, but I have the power to choose differently. I have the power to choose to go to a meeting. I have the power to choose to have a conversation with my sponsor. All along the way, I'm reclaiming and I'm using my creative power and I'm using my power to choose the entire time. Now, I may be powerless over alcohol, but the, the little asterisk there is if I put it in my body, yeah. but I'm not powerless anymore over the choice not to put it in my body. I have recovered that power. So recovery is not, even though it begins with an acknowledgement of a certain kind of powerlessness, recovery is not about powerlessness. It's about letting go of that, which no longer serves us yeah. and moving forward you know, on a new basis with a new name you know, like the white stone about reclaiming and recovering our power, our creative power in consciousness. So even though the word makes it sound like it might be contrary, it's it's really not at all when you yeah. um, take a look at it. Yeah. And, you know, in unity, as you know, we uh, we distinguish between our human self, which we also call our ego self, uh, which Fillmore called our um, what I want to say our carnal self. <laughs> he loved that word carnal. Our material yeah. self. Our, yeah. The apostle Paul was the flesh and the spirit. Our sense consciousness. Self. Yeah, sense consciousness is what. Okay. So, so we differentiate between that, which I also like to call small S self or my Michelle self. We differentiate between that and our higher self, our God self, our Christ self. So on the level of the personal ego carnal sense consciousness self we are powerless but we're not powerless in the sense of our christ self in the realm of the spirit in the realm of the spirit exactly so 
I've come to see so many things in terms of the ego self turning itself over to the higher self, the the sense consciousness self surrendering to the Christ self, um, if that helps it make any sense to anyone. Uh, I want to talk about something else that's a little bit shifting gears, but I love to always give um, a plug for meditation practice because I am the most unlikely meditator on the planet, <laughs> okay? And about five some years ago, I went from dabbling in meditation to actually maintaining a daily practice, which has, I feel, changed my life in very good ways. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. So what I want to say about this is this concept of beginning again is it's it's it. It's the whole deal in the type of meditation that I do, which is just your basic mindfulness meditation. Um, I'm a huge follower, uh, you know, student of Tara Brock. I love her method of um, teaching because she talks so much about beginning again. And so what I want to say is that meditation does not have to be complicated. I sit down to meditate. I focus on my breath. Every time my mind starts thinking of things other than my breath, when I realize it, I stop and I begin again. And yep. um, as uh, so many meditation teachers say, that's it. That's the whole deal. Yeah, it's That's simple but not deal. easy. Well, the idea is not that you're going to sit there for 15 minutes and not think of anything. The idea is that whenever you start thinking, you stop and you begin again. And you exactly. do it as many times as you need to. And when we practice this in meditation, then it begins to carry over into life. That concept of stopping and beginning again. That that's the I, whole deal. I love how you're tying that essentially that prayer practice to yeah. new beginnings, you know, to the power to choose, to the power to choose in this case, uh, to put my attention back on my breath as soon as I've noticed that it has wandered. Yes. But okay, so we have said a whole lot about this. I'm not even sure what all. So <laughs> let's if we can, let's step way back and see if we can find a simple way to sum this up. So I'll put this to you, Reverend Michelle. If someone came up to you and asked you, what does surrender have to do with anything anyway? You know, and, and we're in a recovery context. What might you say to them? Oh, my goodness. Well, I would say that if you're in a place of surrender, you're in a good place. Surrender is a good place to be because it means that you are you've uh, come to an awareness of how unmanageable and how, how unmanageable things have become and how powerless you are. And being in that surrender place is the beginning of, some, of starting something different. It's the beginning of cracking open that door just a little bit for God's grace to enter and becoming willing to, to try something different, becoming willing to have someone else's idea the divine mind's idea or even a sponsor or, so, you know, some person that you respect, um, that their idea might be better than just what's knocking around inside my own head. So I would say that surrender is a very spiritual place and it's a good place to be. You know, what comes to mind to me first, what does surrender have to do with anything anyway, is it's a new beginning. Yep. You know, it's an open door. It's an opportunity 
Um, it's an opportunity for me to stop, you know, beating my head against the wall, so to speak, and to try something new. Yep. You know, my solution to all problems before was have another drink. <laughs> when the drink becomes the problem, then that solution doesn't work so well anymore. And to tie it to a, a, a unity way of seeing and a phrase we use a lot, um, Surrender has brought me to the place where I can release that which no longer serves me because I am going to stop trying to do it the way I was doing it before. That's the surrender. I'm giving up on my old way of approaching this, and I am going to be open to a new way of approaching it. I am releasing that which no longer serves me and welcoming into my experience that which the Spirit guides me to. Absolutely. So then surrender becomes the first step to a whole new way of being and a whole new life, which is what we're always talking about on this program, creating a life that is worth living and a life that we love. Well, we have an affirmation for you today, and our affirmation today is surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power. I can begin again in any moment. And once again, surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power, I can begin again in any moment. Yes, and it does. I love that you just said a life worth living, a life that we want to live. Is that not exactly what we're doing here? I think so. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to the spirit of recovery, and we're grateful. And uh, we hope that you see it that way. And if you don't, don't tell us. We're, we're fragile, uh, recovering people, and our egos can't handle it. So we, But we truly hope that you found something in all of our babbling that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. So thank you, Reverend Michelle, again, as always, for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and go ahead and leave us a comment with your your thoughts and your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.